Good morning, New Life. I hate that we have to gather this way this morning, um, but I'm just grateful that God has put together a team that allows us to be able to do this. Um, Our heart and our desire is for you to be safe, uh, and so we're doing this as a result of weather that was supposed to be here, and and even on top of that, the the number of people that we have uh, who've got COVID and and are sick and not feeling well. And so, uh, again, our heart is for you. We're praying for you. We love you. Um, and uh, this is how we have to gather, and God is good and gracious and has allowed us to be able uh, to do this this morning. Um, And so uh, let's look at the scriptures. Let's see what God's got for us this morning. Uh, Last week, we looked at the great commandment, and the great commandment was simply this, Jesus saying to love God with every ounce of your being, with your heart, with your soul, with your mind. And he says that the second is the same as the first, except that love is directed Toward your neighbor. So the same love you have for God, you have uh, this love for yourself, which is really the way you love your neighbor is like you love yourself. And, and so uh, that's what we looked at. That's what we talked about uh, uh, last week. Um, and so we just believe that that is the very heart and motive behind what we're going to look at this morning in the scriptures. As we look at the great commandment, uh, that is the heart and motive. Our love for God flows through and goes out for a love for those around us. People we walk with, people we see, people we talk to, people we meet up with, people in our circles and spheres of influence. And and as a result of that, loving God, we love others, which leads us to the place where we'll be this morning. Uh, Which if you have your Bible, grab that, Matthew 28. Uh, We'll start in verse 18. Uh, We'll we'll cover 18 and we'll touch a little bit of 19 as we continue uh, down this path of discipleship and and really just kind of focus over the next two weeks on, on the Great Commission and what that means and what that uh, looks like. And so for me, I believe that the two go hand in hand, uh, that, that they're just a different side of the same coin. And so some would lean and say, no, no, you've got, you've got the great uh, commission, which is to love God, love people. And, and that's where they fall. That's what they're going to focus on. That's going to be their driving force. That's going to be everything. And then you have other camps who say, no, no, no it's, it's about the great commission. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. But what I believe is a wholeheartedly that it's a, it's a both and moment. Uh, not an either or, but, but both. We're, we're to be about both. We're to love God with everything in us. And, and as a result of our love for God, it's going to flow out to others. And I believe as a result of that, what we need to do is we need to go make disciples. We need to love people enough to let that love for God be the driving force behind why we make disciples. And, and so I don't believe they compete, but I believe rather they complement one another. And so, so our vision here is where we're going, where we're headed, and, and our mission is how we get there. It's just a natural outcome and, and overflow of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission as we want to love people enough to share the gospel with them. And we want to love people enough to engage them in relationship for the purpose of raising them up and see them mature as disciples in Christ to release them to go and do that themselves. And so my hope for us and my prayer for us here at New Life, for for us as the saints of God, is that we would be a force to be reckoned with. That that, that you and I, as we live out our life, as we go day to day following Christ, being obedient to Christ, that that, that we would be major players in the plan of God for reaching this world for His glory and His great name. That that we'd create havoc. That, That we would be a force to be reckoned with. And so as I was praying this week, as I was thinking this week, as I was looking this week, I was uh, reminded of my six-year-old. And my six-year-old, he's a piddler. He meddles with things. Uh, He he loves to get into stuff. He loves to to take apart and try to put back together. He loves to fix and just just meddle with stuff. 
And so as I was thinking, as I was looking and, and just studying and praying, I just, I just thought of, of how my six-year-old, if, if I'm not careful and I don't keep my eye on him, and, and I leave him alone for very long, I'll, I'll come back to a room that will be destroyed. A Hurricane Bennett has come through and has just created havoc in that room. And it can be from the littlest of things to the greatest of things. But man, that room is turned upside down. And so for me, my heart, my hope for us here at New Life, as a church, as well as individually, is that that would be said about us, especially as it pertains to our love for God, our love for people. And even more specifically, as we are a force to be reckoned with in making disciples, a force to be reckoned with in going after this world and telling them of the great love of Christ. And so I pray, I pray for us often that in this world, when it comes to spiritual realities and, and, and realities unseen, man, 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 that, that Satan shudders, that, that the very demons worry about what we're about, but what we're doing, about how we're living out. I mean, I pray that God ignites a fire in us so great that Spartanburg in this world will forever be changed because of our radical obedience, our believing God for what he's commanded and called us to be about and to do. Um, and, and so the way that that happens, the way that we flip this word upside down, the way that we create havoc, the, the way that we get the, the, the principalities of this world and the darkness of this world to shudder is through discipleship. It, it, it's through discipleship. So, so what I want to do, what I hope to accomplish this morning is this, is I just, I want to break down the first two parts of the Great Commission. Now, I want to look at two words in particular uh, from the Great Commission. And then next week, what we'll do is we'll just spend the bulk of our time just looking at the third word. But, but the first two is this, is I want to look at, at, at this thought of all authority, I want to look at what that means. I want to look at the right to speak that, to, to be at that place, to uh, who this is, what that means. And then I want to look at, at the second part, which is the mission itself is to go and make. That, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to accomplish. Those two words this morning and leave us with a little challenge. So I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray and then we'll, then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. We need you. God, God help us this morning. I, I know this is sometimes difficult to watch it on a screen. But Father, I pray for the next 15, 20 minutes that you would help us just to tune in just to get rid of all the distractions and, and to focus on what you would say, what you'd want to accomplish and what you'd want to do in us and, and through us by your word, by the Holy Spirit. God, God just, just move in a mighty way. I pray, I beg of you. In your name we pray, amen. So Matthew 28, 18 and 19, I want to read it and then we'll, we'll jump in and start to kind of break it down. Matthew 28, 18 says this. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, the, Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, so let's do this. Let's, let's start to break this down a little bit. Let's, let's look at the very first thing in the Great Commission, and that's Jesus' authority. His authority, that's what we're going to look at first. And I just, I hope my prayer is that you are just filled with amazement and awe at His authority, at His sovereignty, at His rule and reign in this world. That you would just be uh, amazed by that and get lost in that reality. And, and that's the first thing that it talks about here. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and this is what he speaks, saying all authority, every ounce of authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And, and so this authority here is not the authorization of Jesus's potential rule, but it's the authorization of his actual rule. It's not a hoping, but it's an actual, uh, an actual ruling, an actual reigning. And we see that in the amount of authority that Jesus has been given. Because that little word there tells about his authority, and it says all. 
What all means is every ounce, every bit. That's what Jesus has. Every ounce of authority, every bit of authority. There is nothing outside of the scope of his authority. Nothing, nothing. He, he is ruler and reigner of all. That's what it tells us. And so when it says authority, what does authority mean? Authority just simply means the, the freedom and right to speak and act as one pleases. What he says is the final and ultimate, regardless, period. That's what it means. All authority is his. It's not what we think, what we want, what we feel. It's, but what it, it's what he says and what he wills. His authority, his character and nature, the way he lives that out and he, and he speaks and he does what he says goes, regardless of what we think, regardless of how we feel. And I don't know about you, but I know, I know for me sometimes in that and thinking of that, it just presses against everything in us, right? I mean, our independence, our freedom. I mean, no one can tell me what to do. No one has the right to lord themselves over me and expect it. They, 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 can't, they can't control me that way. I mean, we have authority issues, do we not? If you look at our world, look at our day, maybe even look in your life, there's probably some areas of authority issues. And so what I want to do is I just want to take a minute here and I just want to look at some examples of his authority. Now, I want to look at some examples of his authority on earth as well as some of, uh, examples of his authority uh, in the heavens and what that means and, and, and behind, uh, behind the present realities of our day. And so we need to remember that what the Father has the authority to do, Jesus has the same because Jesus is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. And so we know the scripture in John 3, 35, where it says the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. And so where we see statements in scripture that, that you have God having the right to do something, we know that Jesus has that same right. We know that Jesus is a part of that, that he is, he is the, the Godhead and they're in perfect unity and that Jesus is God in the flesh. And so let's look real fast at some of his authority on earth. Luke 8, 25 says it like this. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they, and they marveled saying to one another, who then is this that, that he commands even the winds and water and they obey him? I mean, what authority is that? The fact that Jesus can just speak and as, as he speaks, uh, the very storm is stilled. Uh, the very wind stops. Like I think of the story of, of his disciples on the boat and Jesus is in the bottom and he's sleeping. And his disciples begin to be afraid. And they wake him and they say, Master. And he's, he's like, what are, you, what are you doing? What's wrong? And he goes up and he just speaks. And what happens? The very winds are still. The very storm stops. I mean, what authority? I mean, we don't have that kind of authority. We don't have that kind of rule and reign. John 17, 2 says it like this. It says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So Jesus, Jesus is the possessor of this. What authority, that, that he has authority over those who have been given to him. He has the authority to, to give life and to take life, to grant life and to take life, to offer salvation. I mean, what power, what rule and reign and authority, which brings me to the next part of his authority and it's in heaven. Mark 1.27 says this, it says, and they were amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. I mean, I mean even, even demons shudder at the reality of who Jesus is. 
I mean, that they are obedient in the moment that Jesus speaks. There's never this dialogue and this argument of, ah, gee, I don't know about you, Jesus. Ah, we ain't afraid. No, 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 no. They automatically assume the worst is here and to happen. Why? Because they know of his authority. They know who he is. They know what he is capable of and what he can do. What about this? I love this one. Listen to Revelation 21, starting in verse 3. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. And neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What power and might that by the authority of Jesus all things are going to be made new. That one day our present reality is going to be eternity with him, new heaven, new earth in the presence of God Almighty, in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. No more pain, no more fight against the flesh, no more hurting, no more crying. All things are going to be made new. We're going to dwell with him He's our God and we are his people there. There's no more faith. We don't need faith. It's an ever-present reality. There is. We don't have to believe he's there. We're in the midst of, we're in the presence of. That he holds the authority and the power even over that. So Jesus, Jesus, God in the flesh, all the power, all the authority, everywhere and always as the one with all authority everywhere and always, he has the right to command and direct whatever he sees fit. He has the right to direct and command. And so for us as believers in Christ, submission to Jesus is never a choice. Instead, it's a great honor and obligation. I mean, when we realize and understand the authority he has, the power he has, I mean, what he is capable of, why would we not give glad obedience? Why would we not honor and, and with the obligation of following and, and, and living for. Which brings us to the second thing in the Great Commission, the second point here, which is the mission itself to go and make. The very mission itself to go make. And this is what he says in verse 19, and this is where we'll stop today. Go therefore and make. Uh, so when Jesus uses these words, when he says this here in the Great um, uh, Commission, to go, go is a literal, as you are going. It's a continual. There's, there's never a moment where we as believers aren't going, aren't living out, aren't being. So we don't sit on the sidelines of life and do nothing. We don't get saved and then we just stop. No, 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 no. We get saved and now we're a part of the game. Now we're in. Now we get to, uh, we're, we're on the team and we get to be participants of. So we don't just sit on the sidelines and do nothing. No, no, we're to be active. We're to be obedient in the commands that Jesus has given so, so where you work, there, there's no accident in where God has placed you as it pertains to your job, where you work, the group of people that you're around there, whether you're a boss or whether you're an employee, whatever it may be, that's part of your going. That's part of your day-to-day -day life as you go and as you live out and as you do, where you shop. The, the very, the very uh, games you go to and watch, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you have cousins, if you have uh, grandkids, whatever it may be, the, the games that you go to, that's going as you are going, as you are living out your life, as you are, are going about your day to day. If you're in school, whatever school you're in, 
if you're in relationship with someone or, or relationships just in general, whether uh, your family, uh, uh, your parents, your neighborhood, none of that is on accident. God has placed you and put you with a specific purpose and a specific mission to go, to be present there, living life, doing life in that area, in that place, in your sphere of influence. That's what we're called to do. As we're, we're to be active participants in. And what he says here is to make. So, so who Jesus is, what he has done for me, what he's called me to dictates every facet of my life. Every single thing that I do is wrapped up in that. As I'm going, that's the reality that I live in. That's the, that's the, the, the way that I play the game. That's, that's how I live out and do. So the way that I talk, the way that I act, the way that I parent, the way that I lead, the way that I love, the way that I discipline, the way that I play, all of that is wrapped up in my going. All of that is wrapped up in the reality of who Christ is and what he's done for me. And my fear for today is that the church has forgotten that. And the moment when we leave or the moment when we shut this off or the moment when we um, kind of get away from the reality of what we're supposed to be in and about right now is that we're so quick to forget what we're called to do. We're so quick to forget what we're called to do. And so the thing that I love about the scripture here is what Jesus tells us to do. He's always going to give us what we need to accomplish what he says. So if he calls us to do something, if he commands us to do something, he's going to give us the necessary means to see that through, to make that happen. And so what he says is go. So as you're going, this is what you're to be doing as you're going. At your work, in your community, with your kids, with your family, at your school, in any of the relationships that you've got, as you are going, as you are living life, you're to do this, you're to make. You're to create, you're to construct, you're to put something together, you're to do something. And I just love the intentionality in this. And what this lets me know is that we should never, we should never be bored as believers. As a follower of Jesus, if you're bored, there's something wrong. If, if, if it's, yes, there's going to be the mundane day-to-day uh, things in following the Lord, but, 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 if, but if you're bored consistently over a period of time, it's because you're not doing something right. It's because you've checked out. You're not going like you need to be going, and you're not making like Christ has called you to make. So we shouldn't get bored as believers. And so this point here is, is points to the reality that, that, that Christianity is not about being a spectator, but rather an active participant, to be intentionally involved in the lives of people, to be intentionally involved in the community that you're in, to be intentionally involved wherever you work. And I think the thing that scares me about the church today is it's, it's, it's all about consumerism. Consumerism has crept into the church. Man, man, do I enjoy this music? Do I enjoy this preaching? Do I enjoy this program? Do I enjoy this stuff? Like, like, like it's, it's all about consumerism. What can I take in? What can I get out of it? What does it do for me? What, um, how does it make me feel? Like, it's, just, it's, just like, it's like we come and we sit. And if it's too loud or not loud enough, too bright or not bright enough, too happy or not happy enough. And it's like we're, it's just all about taking in and consuming whatever it is that's put before us instead of seeing ourselves as active participants. So instead of what can I get out of the church, maybe it should be looked at as this. What can I give to the church to be a part of what Christ has called me to be? What Christ has called me to do and make? I mean, what role can I play? How can I be an active participant in that?
And so it's an invitation to be a part of, to participate in a move of God. Because if he's called us to it, he's going to see it through. If he's called us to it, to, to be about this, he's commanded us to it, he's going to give us the means to make it happen. And so it's a call to action. It's a call to action. And so I just believe one of the reasons why the world is like it is today is because of our lack of engagement in going. Our, our lack of engagement in going. So, so if you want to change the political scene, then go. Make. If you want to change where you live, then what you need to do is you need to go make. If you want to change how work is, how the boss is, then what you need to do is you need to go and you need to make. If you want to change your campus, if you're in school, if you want to see your campus change, then what you need to do is you need to go and you make. If you want to see change in your kids, then what you need is you need to go and you need to make in your kids and their little hearts. If you want to see change in your home with your spouse, then you need to go and you need to make. You go and do what Jesus says because if he commands us to do it, He's going to see it through. He's going to help us. He's going to do work. And what I know is this, is that his desire to see this live down and to see this happen is far greater than our willingness to obey and do it. His desire to see it come to be is far greater than our level of active obedience in doing it. And so God has given us the responsibility of partnering with him to create a make. I mean, the fact that he would use us at all. And we'll talk more about this here in a few weeks on how we do this and what this looks like lived out at a, at a much deeper level. What we're going to make, we'll look at next week. But, but, but how we do it, kind of the, the nuts and bolts of that will be, uh, will be looked at in much, much greater depth. And how to even assess where somebody's at even in that process over the next few weeks. But, but to close, I want to leave you... Um, Leave with two thoughts real fast. The first one is this. So if Jesus tells us to do something and we don't do what he says to do, what is that, what is that called? That's called sin, right? So, so if he commands us, remember he's the one with all the authority, and remember the authority that he holds on heaven and on earth. If he commands us to do something and we don't do what he says, then that's sin. And, what, and so what should happen is in our lack of going, if we get complacent and we get, uh, uh, get bogged down and, and we just get stuck, and, and whatever the reasoning may be, if we're not going day to day and living out and looking for, and we're not making, then what should happen as we've looked at this and as we've read this is that as a child of God, the Holy Spirit should be turning Deep in my soul saying, okay, Scott, where did you go this week? As you were going this week, did, did you look for opportunities to make, to create, to do? And if I haven't, then there should be conviction because that's sin on my part. And the same thing for you. And so conviction is a good gift of God whereby he invites us to be back in. To come back into fellowship, man, to, to, to repent, to run to him and, and to repent. And as we repent, we step back into relationship with him and he, he restores our fellowship with him. And he helps us focus our heart and our desires all the more around him and on him. And when that happens, we get back in the game and we go. And we go and we make. And so the next few weeks, we're going to have some opportunities kind of come your way and make you aware of to help you get involved in either being discipled or making disciples. Uh, to help you with your going as you are going and to help you with, with making what that looks like and what that means. We'll, we'll, we'll start to roll out some of those things over the next few weeks. And the second thought I want to leave you with this is if, if he tells us to do or to make something, 
do you really believe that he's going to equip you with the necessary means and ability to do what he's commanded you to do? Like I know for me, I've got, I've got three, three little boys, one nine, one six, and one 18 months. And so when I look at those little boys, whenever I, whenever I tell them to do something, whenever I command them to do something or say, say, say to, to do something for them when I'm parenting them, and I ask them whether it's to be clean up a mess or whether it's to, to go get something or whether to, to help with, the, with something happening, whatever it is that I, that I, that I ask them to do, get, get them involved in the, in the life of a family, our family doing, whatever it is, there's a few things I'm going to do in that situation. I'm going to, one, make sure that they're able to do it. I'm going to set them up to be successful I'm going to set them up to be able to accomplish and do. And sometimes I'll ask them to do something they can't do because I want to remind them that dad's here and dad wants to help. Dad, dad wants to step into their life and dad wants to, uh, uh, to see them through and have the opportunity to walk with them side by side to see them to accomplish something far greater than they could ever do themselves. And I just believe... I believe it's the same thing with God. I believe it's the same thing as Jesus says, hey man, all authority. I want to remind you who I am saying this. I'm, I'm not just, just coming out of nowhere to do this. I'm not just some, some thought out there that just hit me all of a sudden. But it's something very intentional, very purposeful, very direct. And all the authority that I have, who I am in saying this. And then the very command itself to go make. I mean, he's going to give us what we need to do it. He's going to help us in that moment. He's going to direct us in conversation. He's going to help us live out obedience in front of, engage in a way. And, and so to leave you with a question, what has the Holy Spirit convicted you of? As a result of his word, where have you went this week? Where will you go this coming week? Will you have eyes to see what God wants you to see and do what God wants you to do? And how will you start making? How will you engage someone this week for the purpose of making a disciple? Maybe at your work, say, hey, can we, just, can we steal away for maybe on our lunch break? You and me just eat lunch together once a week. And let's just begin to talk about the scriptures. Man, I've been reading some stuff, and I just, man, I want to share with you and what God's doing in my life and who he is. And, I, and let's just try to think through and look at these scriptures together. I mean, there's numbers of ways to do this. And again, we'll start to roll out and help with some of the, uh, the living this out over the next few weeks. But man, I, I pray that God has encouraged you. I pray that God's convicted you. I pray that, that God starts to, to set up the stage and remind you of his greatness and his authority and his power and how he will equip you to do what he's called you to do and how, how he's his desire is to see this happen. The question is, will we be obedient and active in being a part of what he's called us to be and do? So I hope God, God uses this all the more to strengthen you, to encourage you, and I hope he uses this all the more to, to help us stir with greater affection for him and help us create havoc and, and just go crazy in the present day and present world in this darkness to just shine light. Church, I'm believing God's going to do an amazing work through us, that, that God's got some amazing things ahead for us as we begin to be obedient and pressing all the more about what it means to be a, a great commission church and a great commandment church. And as the two merge and come together, our great love for God will flow out through people to the point of where we engage and we make disciples and we come alongside for the purpose of raising up to release. Can't wait to see you next week. Pray that this has encouraged you, convicted you, and God's done work in your life as a result of his word this morning. Be safe. Can't wait to see you again in person. Love you guys. Praying for you.